más ágiles. country where people think rationalize animals. Because not easy. If you can do it otherwise, you can do it automatically. Supposing God Himself sees a means according to your certain conception, I don't know what sort of conceptions you have about God, but supposing you have certain conceptions individually. Everyone has individual conceptions called God. And maybe that you see that he's so almighty and he's so great. Just bow to him. Without thinking. But that cannot be. So the first one is to surrender by understanding. To rationalize. <coughs> Nobody is unconscious. Nobody is in the subconscious. You are all very conscious as to what you are doing and what's happening. So when you see that the divine force is flowing through me, it is coming out as vibrations. It is working out. You can also maneuver it. Then rationally you must know the will of that divine force, because your will is still not up to that will of vibrations. Still, when you rationalize things, you may not be doing the same thing as the vibrations would want you, to begin with, I am Now you want to go to the right. But supposing you have to go to the left. For what? For again, for your evolution, for your more understanding of the deity. For the dissolution of your ego. Now, ego and your will are two different. 
this is the point I think perhaps that is bothering me. Mm -hmm. Yes. I've reached that point now. Ego and your will is to be found out. How? By finding out yourself. Now what is yourself? It's the spirit. Alright? How do you know yourself? Because after realization it vibrates and it feels true. So your will becomes the will of your spirit, not of your ego, because you have also super ego. And with ego you have written mistakes, you have achieved no evolution, you have achieved nothing through your ego. But you don't trust your ego, don't challenge it, don't overpower it. But you replace it by the will of yourself. That's a part within you. The more you start learning about vibrations, learning what they are saying to you, how they teach you, you learn about yourself. For example, a child uses his hands first of all. He puts the hand on a hot plate when it's hot, then on the cold plate. See, it's cold, trial and error. He learns what is correct, what is incorrect, what is what, actually what is the reality. Actually in hot and cold there is nothing like bad and wrong, but is the reality that this is hot, that burns your hand, cold, that freezes you. In the same way, when you start using vibrations, you start learning about yourself. That's the first time you are using yourself, because that self is so far not known to you. So the free way to know yourself If you don't want to know, nobody is going to force you. This free will has to be achieved yourself. Within yourself, this free will is active. Through your ego itself, but not as ego, but the complete free conscious mind. Now there is a difference between the complete free conscious mind and the this differentiation must be brought in. Then you will know what is the free will and what is the ego. Your free conscious mind is on the right hand side. And the complete right hand side channel, starting from your ego up to the Muladhara. The complete channel is the pre-conscious mind that you call as the mana in the Sanskrit language. This pre-conscious mind is the horse. Now you also guide that horse. Now the part that guides that horse is which part is that? which guides you in that horse. Is it the ego 
So we should say that ego is known as ahamkara, is the complete. And the aham, I, I guess. That is The one that I that does everything. It can see also it's his ego. We can say that is the shadow of self within you. Or we can there is someone who is all the time seeing. You are not connected with the self, but you know the dictates of the self. There's somebody who's watching all the time. We can say the shadow of that, which is spread in our being of the Self, is there. We know what that wants. When we are committing mistakes, we know we are committing mistakes. If we are thieving, we know we are thieving. That light is all the time there, that is the Self itself. We know that it is there, but there is no other side apart established. That is, you see the projection of that in you, but you cannot reach from where the projection is coming. That's one known as Shetragya, is the one who knows the field, the knower of the field. Actually it is the Self itself, but his vision in us, the vision of that, can call, that's what I call as the shadow. The vision of that Self we are all the time conscious of. It is watching us even when they are, we are alone, when we are in company, when everybody, it is watching us. This one in the Gita is called as Shetra. Shetra is the field and the one is the knower. Actually the knower is the Self, but through its vision, through its power of knowledge, it is knowing everything, and we know that it is knowing us. We, that means the ego part. The ego knows that somebody is watching. With Sahaja Yoga, only thing what happens? That that vision that you have throughout becomes vibrations, becomes enlightened, in the sense that you can have a report with that point from where it has manifested. Did you follow? If you have not, you tell me. Like this is the light, all right? This light has an aura or it has a light spread out everywhere. What will you say to that light which is spreading out? Apart from the light that is there. I call it the shadow, all right? All right? So the light that is spreading out from there is knowing about what you are doing and you know that that shadow it's like a shadow. You know in yourself what you are doing. And that is the shadow which carries all your deeds onto also your Kundalini and puts it down there. That is what sometimes you call as human awareness. That light is the human awareness as you call it. But ego is not the same. 
because it can see the ego, it can see the super ego. But what you say is the I, the light that is closed in this room by this candle or by this light. is what you call the I, the closed one. And this knows about everything and you know that this light knows that what you are doing. This light does not know. It's just the opposite of the way. This light that is inside this room does not know what you are doing. But through this light you know what is in this room. Do you follow this point? Yes. The light that is spread in the room, that light has no awareness. All right? But because of this light, we can know what is in this room. Just opposite is the light of self. The light of self knows what we are doing. And because of that light, we also know what we are doing. If we are unconscious, we would not know what we are doing. So that light or that <coughs> aura of light sparks at the conscious moment, at the conscious moment. Like this you can say, supposing this is the past and this is the future, in center is the, is the, is the conscious mind. At this conscious mind you see the light of the knowledge what you know. We, then the conscious is the Self? No, no, no. Conscious is the area in which the light of the Self makes you aware of what you are. Like the gleam of the light passing through, you can see. From the Self the light is coming, all right? And it enlightens the conscious mind. And the conscious mind knows in the conscious area, in the conscious area, that light knows what you are doing, and you are also aware of that light. What difference between the pre-conscious mind and the conscious mind in location? Location is conscious in the center, uh, pre-conscious in the right. All right. Pre-conscious is on the right, and the conscious is in the center. Now the pre-conscious mind, whatever the pre-conscious mind is doing. We know in the area of the conscious mind, this light gives us the awareness of it. Of the light. The part of the light. The light is the aura of the self. It's like a mirror. Hmm? A mirror. The conscious mind is a mirror for the pre-conscious mind. You see, when I say mirror, it becomes one-sided, that's the point, that's why I'm saying. It is not one-sided, it is all-sided. If you just use as a mirror, 
then it has to be one side, you see. But it's not like that. It is on all sides. The aura is on all sides. Or you can say it falls onto the edges of the conscious mind, of the pre-conscious mind, uh, pre-conscious mind and the subconscious mind in the center, in the conscious area. But that's the light part. The conscious mind itself, the conscious itself mind has no meaning if you are not aware. The conscious mind can sleep on. If you are not aware of the light, so that light which is coming to you is self from self. Now human beings have that light much brighter than the animals have. That's why I call it a light and not only the conscious mind, because the animals also have the conscious mind. But your light is different from their light. Your awareness is much higher and is built up. How? By developing your chakras. Say, for example, we can say, or if you can say, yes, even reflection, you can say that the, in the center is the light, all right? And all the sides are reflecting. Then you can use the same way. But supposing this is the conscious mind, the four walls of the conscious mind. So the light is in the center and the light is reflected on these, these walls. Now the conscious mind of the human beings, supposing are these walls and they are evolved and developed to such a point that they see what wrong they are doing. They can see for themselves. If they keep these walls clear and clean, the conscious mind, that means you are alert about what you are doing with your conscious mind. Then you keep these walls absolutely clean, then the reflection is very clear. But still, there is no rapport established between the walls and the light. Vice versa. I mean, this way it is. For light knows the walls. Walls also know there is a light which knows about it, everything. But the report in the sense that the light cannot do anything about the self and self cannot do about the light. Did you follow that? About the world, no? About the world. But that light exists. It exists. It tells you the reality. It tells you this is what you are. Here you are. This is your position. This light is telling you. This is the Chaitra, the one who knows the field. The one who is. It, it just tells you. It makes you clear cut idea to you that you are here. <coughs> this you have got the spots on your wall. You have got spoiled your walls. There is no reflection properly coming or there is reflection coming, if you are all right. Now the better you are, the better you are, the better is the light and there is no conflict coming. You are nicely going on. That's why I say it to be in the center. Now you can say <coughs> that the attention, say, is in the walls. Your attention is spread on the walls. All right? From there it acts. It acts inside and outside. 
The attention acts outside, as you know, it's very easy to act outside, but inside it acts only as far as knowing that I know everything, what I do. Did you follow that? Attention is on the walls. Human attention is on the wall. This attention knows that there is a light inside. And it puts that light, I mean, as far as possible outside also, it can extend its light outside. In the sense that, supposing <coughs> a person is not realized, but he is a dharmic fellow. So his light is quite all right. No problem, he doesn't have any conflicts, he's done. He's a nice religious man, good fellow. And he knows there is light, he knows. And there's no conflict between the light and himself. So the aura is absolutely nicely. Or suppose if there's a conflict between this and this, the aura will be disturbed. But actually, there's no disturbance in the light itself. But because of these walls, it may be looking disturbed. See, because, you see, when the light is falling on something, like you see the water, and if the water is not steady, you see it's moving like that, all right? So like that, the attention is here. Attention, if it is unsteady, then the image you get is blurred of the light. And the light that you throw out, outside, becomes a blurred image of that light, all right? So now we are coming to the conscious mind. Conscious mind is the one in that area which is a very short time, very short time. Between the future and the past is just a little time, very little time. It's called as Vilamba in the Sanskrit language. It's a very, very, very small little time. And <coughs> we cannot stop there. So that area, suddenly you touch the, uh, you can say, the light. And there you see. So there you know what it is. Then again you are thinking about the past. Or you think about the future. That time you know what you are thinking. But then you come to the conscious area and you know, oh, I have been thinking like that, I should not. Because you are moving all the time on waves. In between these two waves is the conscious mind. Little, very little area is there in the beginning. All right? Now, below that is the unconscious mind, you can say. Actually, it is above, but we can say below, just now to explain. Like the waves rising this way, that way, in between there's little gap. And there, where in the conscious mind you are touching that light of the unconscious mind. So that unconscious mind, what we call is unconscious mind, is that aura or the light of the Self. So every moment you are conscious, you are conscious of your unconscious mind. Conscious in the sense that you know that the unconscious mind knows, that's why. It's really remarkable how it's made. For example, you can see like that, you come out from one way, Oh, you find it's here. Oh, yes, I know that, what I'm thinking. Then again you go on thinking, thinking. Again you come to the conscious mind. 
Oh yes, I know what I am thinking in my unconscious mind. This is the light of the unconscious mind. You can think like a waves. All right. You follow the that? Yeah. Try to follow it. See, then it will be nice. Now, questioning you don't ask. Just now you try to follow the mind because yes, it's a subtle subject. And if you have to understand the subtle, see, I have to use analogies which are not subtle. So in analogies, don't get lost. I'm just trying to tell you how to understand what is the unconscious mind within us, and where do we stand as far as the conscious mind is concerned. The edge of the unconscious mind is the unconscious edge of it, and there is attention also. <coughs> now, what happens? You are moving. Say your attention. Now, attention. Let's see, the attention is moving, say, you can take it to the future or to the past. Now the attention goes like that. And at the conscious mind, suddenly you know, oh, you become aware of it. Your attention becomes aware, oh, yes. Otherwise you are just thinking, thinking, thinking like that. But when again you touch at the conscious mind, again you become aware. Again you move like this, then you are lost, again you become conscious. Now this light is coming from where? It's from the Self. Where is the ego and where is the super ego? In this. Now, this wave is the past and this is the future. So, all the time you are moving from past to future, past to future, like that. But in this jumping, there is a little time in between where you are conscious. And whenever you are moving from one to another, before realization, I am saying all this, I am telling you about before realization. You are conscious that there is something underflow which is moving, where, how we are jumping, either this or that. You are going this way, that way, this way, that way, all the time, see, forward, backwards, whatever it is, but you are moving this way. Now, <coughs> the movement of the conscious mind, you can see, but it's a split of a second, just a split of a second before realization. Did you follow this point or not? First of all, make it very clear on this. So we move to another point. Attention is moving which is on the edge. You see, attention is, you can say that attention is another light or you can say another sort of a, which is the human side of it, you see, which is moving from their energy. You can say the attention is another energy which is moving like this, on the edge. It is generated from your liver. This energy is generated from your liver. And it comes out and it is just like a very thin edge, you can say the attention. So the attention is recording where are we. But when it touches the conscious mind, it becomes conscious of what you are. This is me. Maybe when you are stealing, you are not conscious, but when you have stolen, suddenly you come back, oh God, I did that. Become conscious. So the attention is moving like this, which makes you aware of that. Now, the human attention has been evolved as the edge of the pre-conscious and the subconscious. Do you follow this point or not? On the edges. The human attention, yes. Laya, kya halat hai? Kaise hai? Bhot bimar hai? बिस्तर में रहते हैं। फिर 
if you can make it a small one, you see, the Kundalini is small one. But supposing I have made a big one. So the Kundalini rises, touching the attention like this, all over. Goes up here. Focus here. Becomes one. Because the attention is on the whole nadi, from the maladra up to the bottom. It's yeah. not in the mind. What? The attention. Mm. No, no. Oh. Attention is not in the mind alone. Attention mm. is all along. And it's generated through your. It's generated. I mean, it is not generated, we should say, but we can say it is, it is a sort of looked after or maintained or attained to through your liver. But you see, the evolution of mind, as the mind grows up, this attention becomes improved. In an animal, attention is not like this. He is just a straight line from here to here. In this, the attention becomes wider, bigger, and intelligent. It has both the things fully developed. In the animal it's, it's just a few layers developed there, and they are in the straight line. You see, this doesn't come up in an animal. This, this is ego and superego when they make this thing towards us. Because of this, you see, closing down, it develops its own awareness. By closing down, it develops itself. As Gregory said, it as an egg. So this is the crust that is formed and it develops within itself. So it is developed. Now for developing this, you use your ego or superego. But if you do it in equal way, keeping to the center, so there is no increase on this side or that side. Now what is the ego? Is a bulge out here. And what is the superego? Is a bulge out. See, it goes up like a bulge here, like a horn. Some sort of bulge like that. <laughs> you understand? Now, no use pushing it down or doing anything about it. What you should do is to put attention in the center here. Center. So, because of dharma, dharma is the one which keeps the bulge there, you see, attached to it. So, the proper, proper growth comes up to the nabi is the bulge. Then the wisdom and all those things work out. And you keep that. This is a proper sensitive person. But normally it is not. Normally it is the question will be like this. And this one just hanging out. Normally the person is not like this. This comes up like this. I mean in the West I'm saying. And it's attached like to a bag like that. <laughs> this one is a rudimentary thing. <laughs> now where do we take out here this time? It's like that. So now you understand what I mean. Now is it clear now? Attention, supra it's a, it's a difficult subject. It's a difficult subject to understand mentally. Then above, the God's attention is not like yours. You see, your attention is much more that of a human, that an animal's attention is, that you realize. But God's attention 
presentation is manifold, dynamic than yours is. So when you become with that, you see that attention becomes your attention. It starts flowing through you. So it forms an another layer. That is the God's attention. And you start getting your attention. First time you start in the conscious mind, it starts flowing in the real sense. And you develop that sort of a sheath here, you can say, and you start feeling the vibration. But again, when you go this way a little bit more, it stops. Or this way more, it stops. Again, you bring it in the center and gradually allow the space to be more. Now, this is what is the surrendering. Is the space more there? Because you don't allow this to work out or this to work out, but just allow a space. So it starts opening out. And the light starts working. It's like in Indian music, when they go like that and they come back to the north. That you just did this now. Summer. <coughs> That's what it is called as summer. Summer means actually equal. Summer. But when they come to that point, you see, to the first point, in the Indian music, you see, they'll go on playing. Fourteen knots, you see, like it's sixteen, say, sixteen beats. They'll go sixteen into ten. But again, they'll come back to the same point. You see, this. Same must meet with the same, and that's it. So sum is equal. That point, everything must be. And when all this is opened up, actually, here I've shown it like that, but you should pull the chakras, connect it with that in between. He, this, this attention goes and is actually connected with the chakras here. You see, so the Kundalini passes through the chakra. You can see that the chakra here, and the chakra here, and the chakra here. When you allow the space to increase more, see, then what happens? These chakras also open out. In these chakras, your own deities are there. They have their own way and they are one with it. So it works in your nature. And that's why the integration takes place. But this spacing, leaving this space itself, means surrender in the normal understanding. Because the dynamic is there. Dynamic is all pervading, it is working out. All right? It is all moving. It is working out its job. It is there. But the problem is your attention has not grown that subtle, is to enter into it. One, it becomes that subtle. Only human beings can become that. It opens out. Actually, the Kundalini adds that subtleness to it on the side. And she brings it down. And that, that subtleness gets, you see, lot, gives you a aligning of subtleness. And that becomes one subtle with this, and it starts passing through that subtle areas, vibrations start. The more you open out this part, you become one with this. So what? You become the Self. Now this Self, yeah, this Self is the nucleus in the body, and that body is a cell in the bigger body. All right? So you become one with all pervading force. That is the will of God, which is known to this cell, the nucleus. Every self knows what God wants fully. So as soon as you allow your knowledge, so-called, to drop out a little bit, 
real knowledge starts pouring. And then, or you can order a bath. And you can say, whatever you feel like, you just go. But because of this, an ancient stuff with you, the lining being the new one, see, it's difficult to identify that lining fully with this. If you could, then you would be just there, no problem of clearing anything, it's all clear. This light, when it flows, it passes through all the chakras, comes out. First the Kundalini comes up. She opens the chakras, makes the place, opens it up. Also, by her coming up, you see, there's a little lining comes up. But when this starts to pouring down, see, it covers this much more. But it doesn't cover directly like that, but through the chakras it passes. That's why your chakras are because the passage is through the chakras, there's chakras here, all of them are chakras here. All right? Did you follow this? Michael, how are you feeling? Put it straight. Put it straight. It's cold, very cold that hat. You can take it out. You take it out. It's all right. Close the door. Now, put your hands together. Sorry. as we know that is the day of Muhammad Sahib's birth. And we have to understand that all these incarnations came at different times. They all came at different times and they came as a continuous process of evolution of man. No question of conflict or anything in that, no question. You see, human beings can't understand. Because they create conflict, they live with conflicts. This thing closing down. So they just came on this earth, nobody's property. They came as incarnations on this earth, all of them. He came after Christ. See his position. Because Christ came as an incarnation, which was the Son God. Son aspect of God. And he taught forgiveness. And the Christian doctrine doctrine has called it the suffering. And the Christians must suffer. So all those Christians must suffer, you see. It's sort of a thing just branded on you. Then anybody kills you, you should accept killing. Anybody wants to hurt you, you must accept. You must suffer. Even if you don't suffer, you should inflict suffering on yourself. This funny doctrine, you see, everybody was surprised. From where did they get it? Christ did not suffer. He cannot suffer. How can they suffer? If He could suffer, then how was He the Son of God? He could not. It was just a trauma. Actually, his message was resurrection, but the Christians started using it as a suffering. 
So they said, oh God, now what to do? So we have to send somebody else. Now whom do we send? Someone who will be able to teach them. That's not something. You have to defend. You have to fight. How dare they make you suffer? Like I tell you, somebody from Muktananda had come to my program. Horrible fellow he was. He came and he started saying all kinds of things there. So the surgeon is got angry, you know, Modi and all that. He said, We'll beat you. He started saying, Oh, you are like this, you are like that. He said, You don't say anything to our mother, otherwise we'll beat you. He said, You are so yogi and you should bear it. He said, Jolly will they'll bury you out now. Throw him out. I said, Just now, and give him two cakes. Just now you throw him out. If you had said anything to Christ's mother, you would have taken the same cross and hit all of them nicely. That's why it was arranged that nothing should be said about Christ's mother, because that would be the sensitive point. On that point, he would never have compromised. So this foolish idea that all these religious people should suffer. And then why the religion? Why should you have the religion? I mean, if you have to have sufferings on account of religion, better not have such a horrible religion. You see, it is like purchasing <laughs> sufferings. No. Where did it say? I don't know. Where in the Bible they said that all the Christians must suffer? <coughs> I don't know what point you get from where. Uh, it is reported in the Bible that Jesus said to a young man, if you want to follow me, take your cross or something like that. All right. That doesn't mean that you suffer. If you want to follow me, take your cross. Now what is cross? You know, is a symbol of innocence. I say take your cross, because you see, if you are coming here, as you are, you are to be molded, you are to be brought to the proper balance. So you little bit suffer. When you t try to test others' vibrations, you do get little bit of that burning and all that. But not the way you see we have understood to carry our crosses. Now what is your cross? I mean, absurd, I tell you, whole understanding is so absurd. See, you make such a great personality into nothing, absolutely. You see, He came here to teach you to suffer. I mean, can you think of such a thing? I mean, I don't know what brains and what intelligence all your these great priests are using to say that He came here to teach you to suffer. They probably have trouble with their liver and they feel miserable. Huh? <laughs> they are what? They probably have trouble with their liver and they feel naturally miserable, so they get <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but the preaching is that you must suffer. Oh, yeah. I went to now, even if you take then. like this, a position, you can say that it was that, that if anybody says to you, just don't bother about it, just don't bother. But why suffer? But Suffering means that you bother about it, otherwise you just don't bother. I think it's just a rationalization of impotency. I think it's like that. Because they were unable to do anything. The priests were unable. They were seeing people suffering around. And, and they, they were not them. able to help them. Then they said to them, accept your suffering and enjoy it. I think. I think enjoy the suffering. 
Suffering was like tapas or something like that. That whatever suffering Tapa. comes to you, you, you have to accept it and offer it to God. I mean, some people do still teach the, the, the right thing, but most people just think they have to feel miserable. You see, it is, uh, we shouldn't say even offering or anything. You see, it's God's name or God itself. It's a bath. See, you have pain in the stomach when you put hand towards me, suppose. You get all right. Now, what are you offering to me? I'm not getting anything. It's just a different thing altogether. See, suffering and God are two different things. God is the one who bombs your suffering. What is that when you hear some? Does it say you suffer? Where, which one is such a great thing that such a big doctrine has come out from where, I don't know, that we all should suffer. It is all the time promised. Even those who are suffering will be blessed are those. But there was no actualization of the promise until now. If you, if you wouldn't have come, okay, and we Why are suffering. Okay. I mean, why let's say one life earlier. So supposing that you had not come. No, let's say one life we earlier. We would not have understood what Christ was about. We are yeah. suffering because there is a mess around. <laughs> the only way we can bear it, we don't see any issue. The only way we can bear it is in thinking that our suffering has a meaning. And the only way we can think our suffering has a meaning is the in thinking that The simple meaning is because of your mistakes you are suffering. That does not help. <laughs> it is a very simple thing, you know. It's yeah. very, very simple. You, human beings, put them on one side, God on another side, all right? You cut each other's throats. God has told you to cut each other's throats. If there is war, then who? God has created war. Physically also, if you neglect yourself, you do all kinds of things, then you suffer. Who has asked you to read so many books? Who has asked you, first of all, to create so many books? What do you know to create so many books? That's it. So you see, you are doing it, so you face it also here. Did God ask you to write so many books and read them and condition yourself? Who has asked you to listen to Freud? <laughs> but inside you, he is all the time talking and telling you, not that he is giving you up. He is all the time guiding you. Only thing you should have done is to accept His advice. All the time He is telling you it's wrong, it's too much you are doing. You can even see your ego, what more do you want to see? Now you know your horse is doing a fast one. So why not make it a these things the way you are making yourself in some way here. Now this girl has power, husband has medical accident. She was committing accident. Did God tell him you go and commit accident? He must be going somewhere in a hurry. 
Y Vasco. So. Human beings have created everything. Even the boots and all those have been created by human beings. God has not created them. All this is the creation of human beings. God has created joy, happiness. All the beauty of the world is at your feet. Such beauty. Imagine a small little tree also to see, a small little seed to see. Anything you see in yourself, your eyes only if you watch them to see, and the microscope, even beautiful, so much How Everything is dark for you to see. Here you are taking one knife and putting it inside, and you see, you see it, I'm suffering. Who has asked you? It's like that, whether collectively or individually. God is not responsible for that. You see, it's like a mother who has cooked everything nicely for you, made everything nice for you. Come along now for you. Here she finds her children coming home, all wounded, <laughs> all famished, finished. She has created beautiful things on Absolutely. And he wants you to sit there and to enjoy that joy. That's why he has created those things, such a frustration. Such a frustration. You can make out a person who is cruel, but you want to go to such a person, spoil yourself, and then you say you are miserable. You give so much importance to human beings. It's only you who is. If there is Hitler, Hitler cannot be there unless and until there were Germans who helped him. Without the Germans, do you think Hitler could have existed? Same here. You elect your people who are very dominating, sometimes who are possessed. They become your prime ministers, supposing. Now what do you do? It's left to you. So if you don't want, you can have good people. Will you put any saint there? No, you say it's not practical. Nobody would accept a saint. You see, anyone. Like that Makriyas, horrible fellow, you call him as the head of the church there. I mean, how could he be there? In India, they appoint these Shankaracharyas, horrible, useless things, good for nothing. They cannot be even used as footballs, I tell you, they are so useless. <laughs> and people are making for them, you know, golden umbrellas. On top they want to have uh, diamonds and things. And if they go up, about in the market, people will think there's a coolie going on. Uh, one who is carrying the luggage is also called a coolie in India. Yes, a porter. There's a porter going on. 
and they want to have a crown because you see they look like that, this miserable creature. So they want to have a crown of gold and they want to have a big umbrella of gold made of um, gold, you see, and the umbrella will fall down on them. So they must have a shield also <laughs> to protect themselves. Such miserable, horrid people. They become the heads of the churches and heads of the organizations. It is you. And why the good say we must suffer? So it's all right, let it go. So what prospers? It's a matter. It's the evil. No more of suffering for the saints. Add enough of that. Sounds good. Yeah? Right. Absolutely. Nobody dare touch a saint now. That's it. Had enough of it. The Christ was all right. He never suffered. But he relieved everybody's suffering. He doesn't suffer. I don't suffer. Neither you are going to suffer now. In the name of God, you are not going to suffer. Let's see now who makes you suffer. Unless and until you are addicted to it, then I can't help you. Want to have suffering, then go ahead with it. But if you want to have joy, you'll have it. And nobody can take it away. Those who try will suffer. Those who go against you will suffer. This is Krishna's style, or we can say Mahamad's style, because today is his birthday. So to understand him in the right perspective, see, after Christ it was such a fiasco, you see, that they had to come to say that you are not to suffer. Even his grandsons who were, you know, reborn, from Mahavir and Buddha. They came to teach the non-violence of the nonsense that's going on, to stop that. No, there is a non-violence of God, which is violence, which is just killing. They need little killing, nicely, and sometimes a big one too. They will have it. So the idea is that we should not be a military force. Why not? We are the greatest military force. Here you will see onward Christian soldiers. Now how can you be the soldiers be suffering? You are soldiers, you are endowed with powers of all the Almighty. And how dare you suffer? It is a wrong idea. You have not taken anything in. All right, like a gentleman, like an elephant when he walks and the dogs are barking, it doesn't bother. But in its greatness, not in suffering, it just goes on like that. Like that. You are not to bother about these bickerings and all nonsense. You are not to come down here. But no suffering. No suffering. Okay. This is the message of Mahatma. But Muslims, oh God, his enemies became Muslims. I can tell you this much. The way they are, the way they are treating him, you can see that they were his enemies. 
the first and foremost thing that he has said is that all of them are prophets. They have come at different times. He said, don't drink, because it's all. Christ didn't impress too much on the drinking, so that's what they have said. They find a fruitful everywhere. You see, now I'm saying so many things. But maybe I may leave one or two points here and there. I'm trying to cover up. You see, that's why I talk, 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 talk. Nothing should be left out, because you'll catch hold of that part <coughs> and get on to that. He came down and he said, don't drink. Muslims are drinking the water. Christ said, don't go near the spirits. So in the church you will have graveyards. In the church only you will have graveyards. See the wonderful part of it. He said, don't go near the dead. You have nothing to do with the dead. That's what <coughs> Christians are busy with this.